Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Everyone desires a one-stop shop, that place you can go for all your needs instead of having to spend time driving across town searching or hours online. Well, today we have with us Dr. David Minkoff. He is the one-stop encyclopedia for anything pertaining to health. His plethora of knowledge has helped tens of thousands of people naturally combat and even reverse many chronic diseases. His latest book is called The Search for the Perfect Protein, and we'll get into that topic and cover other information that will empower you and bring you from where you are to where you want to be, whether that's weight loss, sleeping better, getting more energy, or disease prevention. Dr. Minkoff is in the house. Don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a leading physician, best-selling author and athlete at 71 years young. He recently completed his 43rd full Ironman triathlon and has qualified for the Kona World Championships eight times. His diverse background includes board certification in pediatrics, a fellow of infectious disease, an ER physician, and co-director of a neonatal intensive care unit. He's the founder of LifeWorks Wellness Center in Clearwater, Florida, and Body Health a nutrition company that offers a unique range of dietary supplements to the public and medical practitioners. Welcome to the show, best-selling author of The Search for the Perfect Protein, Dr. David Minkoff. Thank you, thank you, and good to be back on your show. Yeah, great to have you back. And as I shared in the intro, you're, you're this encyclopedia of knowledge on so many topics. So first, let's discuss protein. I mean, your latest book debunks a lot of misconceptions. What do you feel is the biggest myth when it comes to the type of protein we need? I think people think that a protein, one protein is equal to another. So that if you have 20 grams of eggs or 20 grams of tuna fish or 20 grams of whey or 20 grams of soybeans uh, or 20 grams of meat, that you're actually getting that 20 grams, that to the body, it's an equivalent thing. Right. And that's a myth. It isn't really true. Um, and many people, I think, underdose on the amount of protein that they need because they think that they're getting enough, but they're not really getting enough. So, uh, you know, when you eat a protein, you have to be able to digest it. Many people have disturbed digestive systems so that they, you know, they don't have stomach acid or they don't have enzymes or they have uh, small uh, intestinal bacterial overgrowth or they have yeasts or they have parasites. And so they think that what's going in their mouth is actually going into their bloodstream and their cells and that all foods are equivalent. You know, a dietitian makes this mistake. She's, right. You know, they sit down and say, okay, you need, you know, 40% or 30% of your calories should be protein and you can get them with these various sources, but it isn't true. An egg is worth, you know, a lot, you know, three times better than than dairy-related protein. So, uh, and plant-based proteins tend to be very low in what we call utilization. So it isn't what you eat, but it's what your body can actually utilize to build its own proteins that is important. And I can go more into this, but that's the, uh, that's the basic idea. 
Yeah, the big thing that I, I get this contradicting here on the show is, you know, I'll interview the leading plant-based advocates and they say we get all the protein we need from plants and then the paleo experts say, no, we have to have animal foods. Set the record straight. If somebody just eat plants, even if they eat as much as they can for protein needs, is it still feasible that, that they, they can be healthy? For most people, not. Like the vegetarians or the vegans that I see and I test really many hundreds of people per year and I have for many years, so this is thousands of people, is people who have been on vegan or vegetarian diets uh, for probably more than six months to a year, virtually all of them have low levels of the required amino acids in their blood. They do not get them from plant proteins. Now, some people have a certain profile of bacteria in their gut where they're able to operate more like a cow where a cow can eat grass and make it into a 2,000-pound animal. So obviously, they're able to take that plant protein and make it into their own structure. Same with, say, whales. They can eat, they can eat spirulina or algaes, and they can turn it into great, big, gigantic bodies. But most of us don't have that kind of bacterial profile, so we are not able to manufacture what are called essential amino acids. These are the things that you absolutely must have in your diet for you to make body protein. And plant proteins tend to be low in certain essential amino acids, leucine, methionine. And so most people can't do it. And so when we measure their amino acids or when we talk to them, they often have fatigue. They may have muscle loss. They may have soft nails. They may have uh, hair that doesn't grow as well. They may have low hormone levels or osteoporosis. These are all signs or anemia. These are all signs of lowered protein levels in the body because dietarily they're not meeting the needs that they actually really have to have. Right. What about the uh, uh, gluten, the protein and grains that many consider to be the unhealthy evilness of all foods? It seems like the last decade or two, everybody and their fathers has become gluten intolerant. In your opinion, should people be avoiding these grains? We find that about 99% of the people we test are gluten intolerant. They may not be real celiacs uh -huh. where they have like a genetic problem with it, but almost all the wheat in this country uh, and barley, which are the two main sources of gluten, rye is also uh, a gluten grain but not so commonly used, are saturated with a pesticide which, or an herbicide, which is glyphosate, Roundup. And I think what's happened over the years is that people ate wheat that was saturated with Roundup. Roundup causes a leaky gut. It causes your intestine to get micro perforations, micro holes. The gluten gets absorbed, undigested, and the body produces an antibody to it or produces an allergic reaction to it. And so then when you eat wheat, you get a reaction. I, when, when, when I was growing up, I ate wheat my, through my um, college and medical school. My wife and I had our, you know, our weekly date was Sunday morning. We would buy, go down to the whole food store and buy organic wheat berries, and we would grind it, and we would make two loaves of bread every week. And I would eat a loaf, and she would eat a loaf, and it was just fine. Neither one of us can eat wheat now because we get stomach disturbance or sore joints or a bloated belly, and it's an acquired thing. You know, it's acquired because our bodies were so sensitized to it that we can't do it. So I think that people could heal and revert, but the wheat has to be really clean. It has to be free of glyphosate, and then they have to get their gut healed 
so that they're not going to start the whole cycle all over again. Yeah, we're 100% on the same page there. I think that it's uh, our ability to process the wheat. And like you said, it's the glyphosate and other chemicals is damaging our microbiome and our, our gut flora is just not able to, to tolerate that. What about lectins? You know, many consider this the major cause of inflammation, obesity, and disease. Do you embrace the lectin fear or, or are you anti? Not totally. You know, some, you know, some things work right. for, for some people and other things don't work for those people. I have tried some people who are gastrically very sensitive on low lectin diets and some of them do better. Uh, some of them don't. Uh, you know, you see this whole rage now with carnivore diets where, you know, they're not eating any fruits and vegetables at all. They're eating only meats. And for some people, that seems to work. I have a particular patient. She eats three, three, uh, yeah, three pounds of hamburger every day. That's her food, and she has for four years. And I have tested her every six months for vitamins, minerals, amino acids, essential fats. Everything looks good. So she is actually getting what she needs from what she eats. Uh, if she eats other things, her stomach doesn't feel well, and she gets bloated belly and 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 uh and and joint pain but um most people can't handle it it's kind of monotonous and i frankly really like fruits and vegetables so and they agree with me so each individual patient is you got to sort of figure out you know what's going to fly in them i i put people on a restricted diet when we first start sort of a paleo meat fish eggs fruits vegetables nuts and seeds don't do any grains don't do any nightshades. Don't do any dairy products. And let's see how you go. About 85% within six weeks if they actually do it. You know, no processed foods, all real food, uh, feel better. If they're constipated, they start having regular bowel movements. If they're having loose stools, they firm up. Now, we usually do it at the same time as some gut corrections. So they may need enzymes or probiotics or things to sort of help their gut heal. They, they, if they have yeast, we may give them some stuff for that. But that seems to work. And then once they're stable, some of these other foods may be fine. They may be able to eat tomatoes or eggplant, or they may be able to have some restricted dairy, or maybe quinoa will go with them, or some rice will go with them. But at first, I, 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 I pull it off so that we don't have so many variables that we don't know what we're doing. Right. And that's a good way, the elimination, and that way there's no guesswork. You, you know, you're eating something and now you don't feel good. Hey, that's something is the reason. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. You've, you've right. isolated, right? Let's talk about genetics. I know you are proof positive that age is just a number. You have more energy in your 70s than most people do in their 40s. Are you genetically wired for this healthy life, or did you have to earn it? No, my, my genetics are terrible. I've done, my, my grandfather died of heart attacks, both sides. My dad died of heart disease. My brother has heart disease. Everybody's got diabetes. Everybody's overweight. And, I, um, and so I have done my genetic profile with three different companies. And I, I haven't even printed them out because it made me feel so bad that I didn't want to even look at it again. So I think lifestyle trumps genes right. in most people. Mm -hmm. So I have had a healthy lifestyle for a long time, and, um, and I feel great. I'm now just turned 72. I'm training for my 44th Ironman. I work a 60-hour week, and I have lots of energy, and I feel great. And I think it's, 
I think it's mostly lifestyle and correct supplementation and um, also being able to sort of tune into your body of like getting enough sleep and like what are your body's, you know, what are their real requirements so that you can keep that in and then I think people can stay healthy for a long time. And I think mental attitude is a big thing too. Some people come in here and they say, well, I'm 50 now and I'm like over the hill and, you know, it's going downhill and it's just like, man, you got to get that attitude turned around because it's not, you know, the, the, the future is long and the past is short. So you just have to think that way. So what about a patient that comes to see you that's been, you know, smoking for decades or eating processed foods most of their life and they're suffering from chronic disease? Is there still hope for attaining good health? There's really no point of no return. Our body has the ability of no, being resilient. No, I don't think so. I just tell them, look, you're on a train. Uh-huh. The train's going 80 miles an hour. Up the road, maybe a month to a couple of years, there is a brick wall. You are on the train headed toward that brick wall. Um, you may have some breakdowns on the way to that brick wall. And you can go to doctors and they will give you drugs and they will patch you up. But the brick wall is there and a combination of your lifestyle and, and, and regular medical treatment, you will hit that wall and you will suffer. Right. And you have a chance to divert that train. It, it, you know, the longer you've been sort of living badly, the, you know, the harder possibly it's going to be. Although some people have sort of a come to sort of, you know, they have a, you know, where they they actually are ruined on it and they don't want that. They see it. Right. Uh, and they change their lifestyle. And it's very remarkable that within months, many people actually start to feel much better. And then that gives them some incentive and some encouragement to continue on. And where they don't have to die like their father did or their brother did, where they can divert that train and they can live out their life without having to be in a hospital in a nursing home and on 12 medications and a sort of a medical wreck. Right. Good point. Now, due to these gyms being closed across the nation, people are more stagnant and they're stressed out. And a lot of them have gained the uh, pandemic weight. Some people are calling it the COVID-15. Do you have any advice that could help people get back into their clothes that used to fit them in January? Yeah. What I've found with, with my patients is that it takes about 60 days of con- continuous doing something to produce a new habit where now you don't have to struggle against yourself to actually do it. Right. And that exercise and movement is, should be on that, that they should start today or tomorrow. What they're going to commit themselves, start with 20 minutes and they can do anything that they like. They can walk, they can do push-ups, they could swim, they can ride a bike, but get out every day outside. If it's hot, go early or go late and get outside and get fresh air and move your body. You could jump on a on a rebounder, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. But we were built to move and you've got to move. Yeah. And as people start to do that, it helps with the weight, it helps with the attitude. And just the fact that they put in discipline on themselves. And then the thing that I would pair it with is don't eat any artificial foods. Okay? Go as organic as you can. But if it comes in a box or a package, don't eat it. You go to the grocery store, you can identify a food because you recognize it. A a pork chop or a lamb chop or a piece of steak um, is real food. And a peach and broccoli is real food. 
But Triscuits and Doritos aren't real food. And if you can just stop doing that and get yourself moving 20 minutes a day, and I think a little bit longer is better, but at least start and do it every day for 60 days, whether you feel like it or not. I think if you find someone that you can pair up with, so you got a partner. So when you're weak, he calls you, or he's at your doorstep, or vice versa, that you can, after 60 days, it will change your life. You do the food and do the exercise, and then there's some supplements you should throw in there too, but that will change a person's life. I don't care how sick you are, anyone could do that. Yeah, and I love you bringing up movement because I always tell my patients a ship at sea will not develop barnacles, but a ship sitting still at dock will. You gotta, you gotta move. You want barnacles by sitting in front of your TV binge watching six shows. I mean, that's why people are gaining all this weight. What about insomnia? I have so many patients complaining they can't sleep. Of course, most of them are watching the doom and gloom news before bed. Is there any mink off tips that you can share to help people achieve this deep restorative sleep? Yeah, I mean, I think food is a huge thing and mm-hmm. exercise, so just to reinforce that. The other thing is that people have to have, there's a sleep hygiene site. You know, there's, there right. are things that help you. In my house, I, 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 I go to bed at 10 o'clock and I read for half an hour or do a crossword puzzle. Those are relaxing things for me. Right. But my wife and I have a rule. After 9 o'clock, no conversations that would upset either one of us or get either one of us excited. Like it's a it's an agreed upon yeah. rule. So if there's a problem with, you know, something I did or something she did, or they didn't like, you know, one didn't like whatever's happened, or there's a problem with one of the kids or the grandkids or something like that, it's after nine o'clock. That's sort of it's it's like a free zone. Like we don't we don't go there so that there's no upset. I get rid of all the all the view time, you know, all the 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 computers and phones off. Nine o'clock. Uh, don't want to see it. Don't want to. Don't want the blue light. And um, I put on blue blocker glasses. Our bedroom. We turn off. We don't keep any electronic things in our bedroom. So there's no TV sets and there's no phones that are plugged in, and there's no clock radios. Our our bedroom is a free zone. And actually, we've rigged our house so that the 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 um, the fuse that goes to the bedroom gets unplugged every night. So there's no electronics in the bedroom. And for me, I can feel it. My body just goes, ah, relax when there's no bombardment from electronics. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the light too, because a lot of things have little dot lights on it. The, the you know, the TV, the the cell phone charger. And I was at a hotel once. I couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep. I look up, and the smoke detector had a blue light on it. And blue's the worst. And I said, no wonder. Right. And I went and I put a piece of gum over it, and I fell right to sleep. So people don't realize yeah. darkness is the key. It's so important, is it not, to just stay really as dark as you can? Yeah, dark as you can. Get blackout curtains. It should be dark. So that when you wake up in the morning, you have no idea what time it is, even if it's light outside. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's great. Now, you're a big advocate of nutrition. You formulated many products. If you were going to live on a deserted island and you could only bring three nutritional supplements, what would you pick? What's your top three? Uh, My top one is Perfect Amino. It's an amino acid mix. Okay. And it is the, the, I mean, tens and tens of thousands of people have written success stories about this product because it helped them. It's a way to get protein. It's vegan source. So there's no, if you're, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, you could have it. There's no animal, animal protein or protein, animal protein derivative in it, but it's 
our bodies need essential amino acids. That's what they're made out of, and most people don't get enough. So I'd take, it comes as tablets or a powder, I'd take two scoops of the powder every day. On big workout days, I take a double, you know, I take two scoops in the morning and I take two scoops at night because it helps me with recovery. Uh, I think the other thing that's really important, especially nowadays, is almost nobody gets enough servings of fruits and vegetables. And so we have a couple of products which are either concentrates of green fruits and vegetables, another one which is red fruits and vegetables. You hear these advertised on the national thing all the time, not ours, but somebody else's. But one scoop is 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. And these are antioxidants. They're plant-derived foods. They're what we need. They're essential to our body. And they're, they're just very important. A uh, few years ago, I did a study where we measured the antioxidant levels in every patient that came into our office for a year. And we found in the, the, the way we were measuring it was, it was you, can, you can measure the levels of these things called carotenoids, which are the colored parts of fruits and vegetables. And there's a device where you can measure it through the skin. So every time someone came in the clinic, they put their hand up against this device. We got a measurement, which was a number. And if you were eating eight to 10 servings a day of fruits and vegetables, the number would turn up above 50, and that was considered good or healthy. Right. So if you had people who were juicing, they were fine. If you had people who were eating lots, eight to 10 servings, they were fine. But about 95% of the people, and, and, and the clientele that comes to my office is a health-conscious clientele, so these are not McDonald's people, but about 95% of the people had levels below 50 in fact, the average was 18, and the children that we tested were 12, so they really weren't getting it. So I just had them one scoop every day of a red or a green food concentrate. We call ours perfect reds or perfect greens from Body Health, and then I said, come back in six weeks. We're going to remeasure you. This is a free test for these people. Right. 100% of them were above 50. Now, that's easy. So you can sprinkle this stuff on virtually anything you eat, or you can add it to a smoothie, or you can add it to water. It tastes good, but it gives, these are basic building blocks that your right. body just has to have. So if you have proteins and you have vitamins and minerals, which are what in these things, the other thing you need is essential fats, and many of the people that we measure don't have enough omega-3 fats. They have too much omega-6 fats, so some kind of an omega-3 oil. Um, a fish oil, a krill oil. Um, we make a very unique one, which is a it's a it's a distilled fish oil, so it's pure, it's free of any kind of heavy metals or plastics or anything. But then we add to it a mixture that has ginger and curcumin and uh, boswellia, and nice. so you get an antioxidant oil that's got these additive things in it, and it really is powerful. And I think those are the sort of the essential things that when we measure people that they're missing. And if we put those in, um, it just helps the health. Yeah, great options there. You're going to be healthy by the end of that year at the deserted island with those. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Let me ask you, you're an athlete. I ask a lot of athletes to come on the show. When it comes to weight loss, I'm curious, what do you feel is the percentage uh, when, with exercise compared to diet? What would you say? Would you say it's, you know, 80%? 90% diet, 10% exercise. Oh, interesting. Okay, so 90% diet. So these people that are just going out and just running on the treadmill trying to lose weight, that's not the answer. I don't think it's the answer to weight loss. I think it's an answer to fitness. 
mm-hmm. and it's an answer to strength and muscle building. But you can't eat your way to weight loss. You know, you can't exercise your way to weight loss. Well, yeah. a few years ago, I saw a really interesting. He was this is an this was an elite athlete who could run five minute miles, and so they put him on the treadmill. And they videoed this thing, and they have this guy running five-minute miles for six miles. Right. Okay, so that's a, it's about a little over 30 minutes. Now, that is really fast, and very few people can keep that kind of pace. But that's a lot of calories, okay? You'd think. Right. Like, he really burned it, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, six miles, is it takes about 100 calories per mile. So he burned 600 calories in that half hour. Then they brought him a big piece of Pizza Hut's Meat Lover's Pizza, which is 800 calories. So here he did, you know, most people running five miles, if they could do it in an hour, they were doing pretty well. Right. But then they get home and they want to reward themselves and they have two pieces of Meat Lover's Pizza which would be, you know, 1,600 calories. Now they're under, you know, they're, if you just count calories, they're way upside down. They burned 600 and they just ate, you know, 1,600. So that, yeah. the amount of exercise that it takes to really make that equation go is lots of exercise. Yeah, you know, I remember way too much than what you can do. Yeah, I remember uh, running next to some guy and he's running and he's and he's sweating. He says, "Boy, I earned it. I earned this morning's donut." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's what he's thinking. And you, like you said, you can't outrun your fork. You you can't. And so many people think that that they can eat what they want and they've earned it because they spent. They went to the gym, so now they get to go home. I'm earn that cookie. What you just said, you're now you're now in right. a deficit. <laughs> right. You know, maybe if you fast all day and you just drink water and you get an hour's worth of exercise, you can have a little extra dessert, but but it doesn't work out for most people. So true, so true. So true. In the couple minutes we have left, there's anything that you'd like to share with the listeners we didn't have time to cover today? I, I think that good health is earned, that it's a reward for a good lifestyle. And that it's worth it. You know, sometimes you work very hard for something and you get to the end of it and you don't, you're not happy that you did it. But I think people who take care of themselves get a reward of living longer and living healthier and being able to enjoy their life. You know, the, there's this thing of health span versus lifespan and people, you know, are living longer, but they spend, you know, all their money in their last two months of their life or the government's money because they're so, you know, they're sitting in a hospital at $5,000 a day and they're miserable and they're on too many medicines and they're sick and they go to doctors. And it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, Heart disease and cancer are diseases that 150 years ago barely existed because people worked, they moved their bodies, they ate natural food, and their bodies didn't break down. Right now we're in an epidemic starting with children uh, with, you know, chronic illness, you know, autism and chronic fatigue and diabetes and osteoporosis and cancer and heart disease and premature, you know, the average 28 year old now cannot pass a, a memory test and it's not native to the species. It's toxic brain and toxic lifestyle. So, you sort of have to sacrifice if you want to live long and be healthy, and that is 
to eat, you know, to, to be, have a healthy lifestyle. And then you got a chance. Yeah, fantastic. Well, you know, you're, you're a walking example at 72 and you have a family history that we just can't use excuses. I mean, you know, the, like I said, there's people 25 years younger than you that can't keep up with you. No excuses, folks. <laughs> no so, excuses. On my, I use a watch that tracks my heart uh-huh. rate variability and all these things. And so, you know, my fitness level now is compared to a 32-year-old. And I'm not 32, and I can't do what I did when I was 32. But if right. you compare it to an average 32-year-old, I have the fitness level of that. And that's, it's, it really is habits. You know, you get those habits. You take the 60 days. You put in a new habit. Then you got it down. Then you put in another one. You do that for 60 days, or you do both of them at once. You can change. You just have to make a decision. And you have to have some fail-safe mechanism that when you get weak, you've got somebody who will tap you on the shoulder or, you know, or give you a shove and say, hey, you know, it's not going to happen. And then you can stay, you can stay, keep your ethics in on it, so to speak, and you can get to where you want to go. Yes. Like you said, sometimes having accountability, get a friend to call you when you're feeling like sitting on the couch and you'll do it for him. And pretty soon, hey, you've got that you've got that bounce back and you have no excuses. It becomes a lifestyle habit. But like you said, you just got to get out and do it because then it becomes part of you. And, you know, that takes getting off the couch and making that first step. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing this great info as always to learn more uh, about Dr. Minkoff or get his latest book, The Search for the Perfect Protein. You can go to and also learn about his natural supplementation line he talked about, bodyhealth.com. And while there, be sure and check out some of his resourceful videos and articles. And you can follow Dr. Minkoff on Twitter at Body Health and Facebook and Instagram. He's at Body Health Optimize. For my daily Facebook and Twitter posts, I'm at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard Dr. Minkoff share something today that would benefit somebody you know, I'm sure you do, send them a link to this podcast. It's a available to yourgoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com and peruse our podcast library and share these segments with friends, family, and coworkers, and also on social media. So much doom and gloom junk on that social media now. Promote this. Get the word out from Dr. Minkoff. He has great, rejuvenating, exciting, and rehabilitating information to make you young again. That's what we want. Stay off the news. Focus on these healthy podcasts. This information is too healthy to keep to yourself. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.